Welcome to the Church at Bradenton podcast, where we are finding strength for today, hope for the future, and the courageous joy to bring others along. Let's join our pastor and church family as we share teachings rooted in God's Word from our weekend gatherings. Psalm 132, Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he sware unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob, surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jaar or or the woods. We will go into His tabernacle. We will worship at His footstool. May God add His Spirit to the reading of his word. You may be seated. For those of you that are new to our church at Bradenton family online uh, or here in the house, I don't normally uh, preach from such a big intimidating Bible nor necessarily from the King James Version, but when you need to make a point, then this, this, this is going to make it right here. This Bible actually is, uh, I guess you would call it our family. Bible. So, uh, 31 and a half years ago, uh, this Bible was the centerpiece there in the communion table in Springfield, Illinois, when Elizabeth and I were married. And, and this Bible has been in our family since. And I'll be honest with you, there's a beautiful wooden case that it goes in. And at times, various times, it's been on display in our home. Most of the time, to be honest, it's been in that little wooden case and tucked away in a safe place, brought out on special occasions such as this. I mean, I've, I'm on my third uh, Bible, preaching and study Bible in the last 31 years. And Elizabeth, my wife, uh, she still has the same Bible that she has been studying with and writing in, and it is well-worn all of those years. But there's something, there's something to this, though. In that sacred moment where we said uh, we do, in a completely, at least one of us was completely clueless as, as to, you know, and, and still very immature. I'll let you guess which one. But we knew this much. We wanted Jesus and His gospel. We wanted His word to be the center of our marriage and of our home and of our parenting and everything that was to come so that His presence would be front and center. God is still calling His family into His presence right into the Holy of Holies, to the sacred altar of God where we offer up our very lives to Him. Now, now this psalm, this particular psalm, is a psalm of ascents. A psalm of ascents. And so let me just kind of break this down for you. Just put this much into context for you. So God's people, the children of Israel, had, had, were, were in a wonderful tradition brought down by Moses, 
where they would go, those that lived in, an, in enough proximity to, to make it maybe in a long morning, to go to the temple. And then three times a year, three times a year, the entire family would make a pilgrimage, call it a road trip, if you will, to the temple of the Lord. And, and it was this and other psalms, songs, that they would sing as a way of preparing their hearts. Now, I want us to put this in, in, in the right perspective because some, sometimes we read, especially if we're reading it um, with the lows and the thous and the language of, of our old family Bible, the King James Version, and, and we think that life wasn't real for them. But it was very real. Think road trip. Think of everything you have to do to prepare the family for a road trip and, and add to it bringing the, the, the very best, best offering because that's what they would do. They would propel, prepare well in advance to bring their best, what was known as their first fruits offering to the Lord. And that took preparation and that took time. They would get themselves ready. They would get the kids ready. Imagine, if you will, the preparations that had to be made. They all had jobs. And, and even though in the Jewish uh, community, everybody would be in on this, it was very much an agriculture and livestock community. And so what were you going to do with the chickens? What were you going to do with the sheep? What were you going to do with the oxen? How were you going to take care? You had to make preparations and then there was getting the cart ready and dad was out there the night before and realized he's out of grease and so he's got to run down three doors down to his buddies and and, and say Yusef I'm, I'm out of grease and he's like no problem Bartholomew I just bought some the other day have you tried this new grease it, I don't care just give me the grease and it's 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 one in the morning and he's greasing up real people real lives for the real word of God as they prepared to ascend, you see, going to Jerusalem, it was uphill in just about every single direction. They made a pilgrimage. They took a road trip. And God is calling us to take this same trip, if you will, to the temple, right to the very family altar still today. What we're really talking about is temple worship, and we'll circle back to the ultimate definition of temple worship before we are done this morning, but it's all about just simply living in a sense of sacred awareness of the presence of our Savior, and not just when it's, when it's, when it's just, oh, just so good and, and oh, so easy in moments like this, but in the Monday morning and in the Wednesday afternoon and in the Friday night of life. I love it. I love it right here. The, the psalmist says, and he calls it the tabernacle of my house. The tabernacle of my house. There was something, and we've been talking about this as we wrap up family month. We've been talking about this all month long. How, how God has always called His people, as a matter of fact, and, and Andrew will, will be speaking about this in a little bit more detail in, in a few minutes, 
But as we see God's word given to Moses and then handed down to the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the very first thing that God commanded Moses to tell the people to do with all of the commands of the Lord is to impress them on your kids. And make it known everywhere in your household. Fast forward centuries and centuries as things begin to unfold and be fulfilled in the person, the Savior of Jesus Christ. And His church begins to develop and He comes and He lives and He dies and He rises again and fills His people with His Holy Spirit. And then he calls them to come together. I love those snapshots, and we've talked about them throughout the month. Acts 2 and Acts chapter 4, what both of those have in common is that it says they met together daily in the temple. In other words, they were all about what God was doing in and through the local church. And it says they broke the bread, the bread of communion daily in their homes. What's that talking about? Um, it's, it's so much more than bread. And we've talked about that, and we're going to talk about that in November. We're talking about the Eucharisteo, the giving of thanks through the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever your faith tradition chooses to call it. It's remembering the body and the blood. In other words, worship was just an absolute lifestyle. It permeated not just the house of God, but home after home after home where it's needed the most. There was the call of God then. And can we heed and hear the call of God today above the call and the cries of this world? I believe that we can. I believe that we must. So let me, let's talk about this psalm of ascents because this, this is powerful. This is one of 15 psalms. It's, it, it's Psalm 120 through 134 are all known as psalms of ascent. And did a little study. Uh, Rabbi Naphtali Selberberg, I probably botched that, just, just yeah, messed that up. But he, he writes this. He, he's, he's a rabbi in... Brooklyn, New York has a, a website, Shabbat.org, and, and I wanted to get it from somebody that, that is, has lived uh, these Psalms of Ascents and give us a sense of context. And he shares with us that on the temple steps, there were 15 steps, and they were, they were much, much like this, just on a much grander scale, just kind of like white marble and very grand and going up in 15 high. And the Levites, who were the pastors, the, the priests, who were in charge of the order of service and just, just making sure worship goes off, um, they, they would kick things off by standing on that bottom step and beginning to chant, to sing these psalms of ascent and it started off low and they would literally get louder and they would get higher until they finally got to the top and they were just shouting out the praises of God together and, and it was a call to worship wasn't near as good as the call to worship that we've had this morning um, but they did their best to call God's people into their presence these were the same psalm of ascents that God's people cried out and sang when they were released from captivity in Babylon and made their way back into God's promise, back to Jerusalem. These are the same psalms that families would sing. Anybody have any road trip songs? Anybody got a road trip playlist, right? 
we've got one, and, and I got to spend a couple days with, with my dad and mom this last week, quick, uh, uh, last week, quick trip to Nashville and back, and it, and it just reminded me of the songs that we would sing, and, and uh, that they were uh, going way back in my youth, and, and, and dad would sing big Big Bad John and Grandma's Feather Bed, and, and, and from way, way back, I remember, I remember the 8-track going in the RV, right? And, and it was John Denver's Greatest Hits, and, and there, was, there was that. And then the hymns, the hymns. We, we sang and sang it, and this, this last uh, week sang and sang the hymns of faith together. These, this was their road trip soundtrack, these are the songs that they sang, and Papa and Dad would begin to sing these songs at the earliest age. They would be ringing in the ears of the children. They knew these songs by heart. And they would sing them as they ascended into the presence of the Lord. What, what, so, so, so what? Nice history, kind of neat. What does this mean for us today? Let, let's break it down in verses 1 through 5, focusing in on just a single word. Vow unto the mighty God of Jacob. I, I just want to say that what we need in this generation is a renewal of our vow as a family that our home will itself be the tabernacle of the Lord. And you just have to say and echo as Joshua said many years ago, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I know this is hard, and God's Word acknowledges it. It begins by saying, Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions, all of the hardship that he endured. I'll be honest with you, worship has never been more work than today. And I'm not just talking about here. <laughs> I'm talking about the, the, the worship of God on a daily basis. Everything about life, everything about culture is pulling us down at the least on a good day into the mundane and nowadays in a very direct, in-your-face way into the profane, into that which is antithetical. It is quite simply the spirit of Antichrist. Drawing us away from the presence of God and into me and into you and into my rights and into my agenda and into me getting what's mine because I showed up in some entitled way. God have mercy for those buying those lies. No one knew the challenge of living before the altar of the Lord, if you will, like David. Just a man. And did he not just really prove human time and again? A husband, flawed and failed, a father, and the king, carrying the weight of all of God's people. And yet somehow, someway through all of that, becoming known as a man after God's own heart. David learned something early on in, in life. And, and we actually get a glimpse of this from God's word in verse 6. Lo, we heard of it in, in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Ja'ar, or meaning, meaning the woods. 
Is that just some uh, obscure reference? And, and if so, what is it a reference to? And David knew. We attribute a few of these psalms of ascents to David himself. David knew because David remembered that there was a time where God's people were aligned against the armies of the Philistines. And as was the custom from time to time when kings got together and decided that it was more expedient that the hundreds and the thousands and the tens of thousands not die that day, that on the honor of the kings, they would make a deal. You send your best guy. We'll send our best guy. It's a fight to the death. But it's a winner-take-all situation. If your guy wins, I will honor that. You name the terms, and that's the deal. They shake on it, and it's time. And they sent out Goliath. The Philistines sent out Goliath. And there he stood, and none would come against him. And day after day, he taunted the people of God, and no one would stand until a shepherd boy named David. By the way, great song to be teaching your kids and your grandkids. My grandson Levi is going to grow up knowing this one. And um, pretty good worship song. Anybody, anybody but me remember this song? Only a boy named David, only a rippling brook. Only, I learned it in Bible school. Only a boy named David and five little stones he took. Only a boy named David, only a rip. And there were motions. Anybody else remember the I remember the Only a rippling brook, only a boy named David and five little stones he took. And one little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and round. And one little stone went into the sling, the sling went round and round. The things you do when you're preaching. And round and round and round and round and round and round and round. And one little stone went up in the air. And the giant came tumbling down. Crash! And the, the crash, yeah. The crash is the best part of the song. You, you always love the crash and doing that with your kids and your grand. But see, you don't forget that. That's singing the song of the Lord. That's telling the story of the triumph of Almighty God. And David remembered that he was that boy. What does this tell us? It tells us simply this, that, that we have to make a choice. We will go into his, into his tabernacle. You have to choose to go there. You have to choose to ascend there. You have to choose, parents, to take your kids with you. That you're not going to live down here with the world, but you're going to live on a higher plane in the Spirit of the Lord. And it's a choice that you make. And it takes effort to ascend into God's presence individually and as a couple and as a family and as a church. And you won't go there until you go there. But there is something about when we humble ourselves and get our knee, uh, on our knees. God is true to his word and he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and I will help you ascend. I will lift you up with me. Are you lifting your families up? It's never been harder and my love as I look out here and I know some online and I'm looking out here and I see some of you single moms and, and, and you are David's slaying your Goliaths 
and our love and our prayers and our support and our hearts are with you. Single moms, hey, single dads out there, grandparents raising a generation, they didn't know that they were going to be tasked with raising. We love you. Our hearts are with you. And we really, really want to champion you here at the church at Bradenton with all of our hearts. For those of you, and you have a, a what, what is called and the world looks down on, a you do know it's still okay to be a traditional family. Can, can, can I say that? I'm going to. I'm not afraid. Yes, it is okay for a man and a woman to be married for life, have and raise kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? That's still right. It's still normal. It's still okay to say it and live it. Dads, you've got a role to play. You are the Levite in your home, and it's time for you to take up the priestly call and help your family rise above this world. It's never been harder. It's never been harder. Never been harder. Um, Andrew, our, our, our student and young adult pastor, uh, has a few things to say. I just I wanted you to hear from somebody that is living it right here right now as, as a young leader, as a young family. I'm going to use one of these because I tried putting on one of those headsets before service and it wouldn't fit my ear. Um, so, so, so how do, we, how do we teach our kids um, the Word of God? And how, how do we lead uh, them and our, our grandkids and our cousins? Uh, I, we're very aware that families are not perfect uh, biblical family units uh, everywhere you look these days, that, that there's brokenness and fallen nature and there's divorce and, there, and there's tragedy where parents you know, aren't, aren't able to be with their children. And so we get that, but in general, for the kids who are around you, how do we, how do we directly influence them uh, for Christ? And so, you know, I'm going to be the first to admit that I'm not the best at doing this all the time um, because I'm standing up here with a, a table in front of me and with a mic. It, it doesn't somehow make me um, any more adept at this. Uh, but I, as I was studying over this, um, I... I just thought, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 pretty much lays it out very clearly. And we've already covered that a little bit, but I'm just, I'm going to come back to that. And uh, we're just going to use that as a template, okay? So this is how, this is what I saw in God's Word. So step one comes from those first few verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you begin in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So it's really simple. Step one is you have to love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, well, I, I don't even really know why you're that concerned with, with teaching those in your life about Jesus, right? Uh, especially little children. And so you have to love Jesus first. And, and there's a lot of us in this room who would say, okay, great, check to step one, but don't, don't check it off just yet. Um, if that's you, though, and you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I've never, I've never made a commitment to follow Christ truly, uh, today's the day. You should do that. 
uh, you should go ahead and just pull the trigger. And if you have intellectual inhibitions or, or, or you have uh, different things that are stopping you, I would, I would recommend that you just go for it. And the reason I would say that is because a lot of times what you think um, of something from the outside isn't quite the same once you get in it. And so once you take that first step of faith, uh, God fills in the rest. He really does. Um, he, he will, he will uh, relieve a lot of that stress and a lot of that pressure that you have, maybe some of those intellectual hurdles. I would say, go for it. Go for it. Give Jesus a chance. Give him a chance. He's God. He's not going to fail you. Um, but if, if you're here and you would say, no, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, and I, I have given my life to Christ, and um, great, uh, that, that's awesome. But your, the health of your relationship does matter uh, with Christ. And we as Christians know that obviously uh, we still sin and we still have to ask Christ for his forgiveness. Our relational health will dictate steps two and three that are listed in Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, it's pretty simple. If your relationship with Christ is going through one of those weak cycles where, where you're just really not prioritizing being his word, you're really not prioritizing prayer just between you and him, you know, you're, you're not going to lead very well. And there might be times where you just don't lead your family at all. You know, you, you forgot to pray um, when you normally do or whatever it is. And, you know, you just, you just don't. You know, you, you forgot and you had already moved on. You don't call the family back together and you just, you end up not praying. There will be times where, uh, where when your relationship with Christ is weak, that kind of stuff is going to happen. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to fight, obviously, to love the Lord your God. It's, it's the very first verse. With all your heart, or the second verse, soul and with all your might. When we do that and our, our relationship with Christ is healthy, a lot of this stuff just naturally flows. It doesn't mean that we can completely rely on that um, just on passion, but it does naturally flow from us. It, you know, if you're excited about something, you, you tell other people. It's just how we're wired. And so when you're excited about Christ, you will naturally speak to your children and to your family about Jesus. That's, that's just how it works. That's human nature. Um, so, so step one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Make sure we get that one first. You, you can't move on to step two and three without that. Step two is this. Teach God's commands to your children. And I get it. It's like, well, isn't that what you're supposed to be like? You're supposed to be like telling us how to do that. Okay, right. But scripture actually says how to do that, okay? So if you keep reading, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. This is verse 7. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You teach your children diligently by talking diligently about God. When you sit, when you rise, when you walk by the way. And if you're like me, that sounds pretty daunting. Uh, there, there are a lot of other things to talk about in life, uh, like getting the dishes done and, um, and work and stress and everything else. And, and, and that can really begin to fill our minds to the point where, and there are also some really great podcasts out there. Does anyone else love podcasts? No, no one. Okay. It's just me. Thank you. There's like three hands. That's weird. Podcasts are a big deal. Uh, you should listen to a few good ones, not the bad ones. Um, but anyway, uh, they're really cool. And so, you know, I'm, I'm tempted just to listen to podcasts uh, and fill my time with that. But that's not teaching my child diligently. That's not leading my wife well. And so, but really, this only seems overwhelming, this whole concept of talk about it when you sit down, talk about it when you rise, talk about it when you lie down. That really only seems overwhelming if your relationship with Christ really isn't quite where it should be. 
to be honest, right? If your relationship with Christ is, is doing well, then again, it kind of comes naturally. You know, you're excited about Jesus and, and you don't mind talking about him when you sit down. You don't mind talking about him when you lay down or, or when you rise. You don't mind talking about him when you walk by the way, when you're taking a walk with your kids around the block or whatever it is. You don't mind that because it comes naturally. But you can't just lean on passion, right? If it's just like a, a, a healthy romantic relationship. If you just rely on, on passion, it'll, it'll fizzle out very quickly. Love is a choice. It's a verb. You have to actively work at it. And so it's the same thing with Christ. So I'm not telling you just to rely on that passion, just to rely on those ebbs and flows of when you're feeling good about Jesus. It'll just kind of naturally happen. You also have to build in routine. And this is something that Levi, uh, our son, he's 20 months old. He's already starting to understand. So we have a routine. Um, Levi slept horribly for like the first 18 and a half, 19 months of his life. It was terrible. Um, it was really bad. And uh, praise God, he's finally starting to sleep well. And we've, we, we've been really hardcore on this like sleep training stuff. And everyone tells you something different. It's ridiculous. You parents get it. Um, but one thing that we have done that's very consistent is we have bath time. And then we go get our PJs on. And then we sit and we read. And I do not read a Bible story to my son every night, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not like this, like, halo-wearing, like, perfect guy who just sits. No, I don't do that. But we do read Bible stories pretty often, okay? Pretty often. One of them is the story of Christmas. And it's a board book. And I don't know. It, it's not heretical in any way, but, like, I don't love everything in it. Like, angels totally don't look like that. And I don't really want my, my son getting that in his mind, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's not perfect. But you know what? I, re I read through it, and I'm like, okay, the theology's pretty solid. So, all right, we're good to go. And I read it to him anyway. Because, you know, at this stage in his life, when he's 20 months old, mostly he wants to look at the pictures. Obviously, he cannot read. Um, and so we're teaching him these things. But from before he can read... I'm already beginning to do my best to instill into him with pictures and colors and ways that he can understand the story of Christmas, the story of God incarnate coming down to earth and becoming a man so that he could later die on a cross for our sins. We also have the book, The Story of Easter. Um, and these are books that we read together. It, it's really that simple. And we've put it into our routine so that even when I don't feel passionate about it, and trust me, there are plenty of nights where I do not feel passionate about going through the bath routine and the PJ routine and the reading routine and then, the, and then we pray and he expects that too. So he, my, my wife Madeline begins to rock him in the rocking chair and he's, he's, you know, he's going towards bed and everything and it's great. But I pray with him every single night and I pray with my wife and now he started this thing where when I say amen and I start walking away, he waves and he <laughs> smiles. And it's the sweetest thing in the world. Um, he's like telling me goodnight, like, all right, goodnight, Dad. But he recognizes that this is the routine. And built into that routine, I cannot do the routine without bringing Jesus into it. It's impossible to do the routine without bringing Jesus into it because prayer is a part of the routine. And reading God's word, albeit from a board book, not the ESV or something, uh, is, is in our routine. And so I don't just rely on passion or just like when I really got pumped up because I listened to some great sermon on a podcast, it's, it's in the routine. And so I would encourage you all, make that routine. Um, and then finally, step three is display God's word physically on your body and house. I'm not going to talk about tattoos. Don't freak out, okay? I know everyone's got their own opinions <laughs> on tattoos. Um, 
that's not what I'm getting at. And that's not what scripture is actually talking about right here. Listen to what scripture has to say. I'm just going to read God's word and you can get upset with it if you want. Um, you, verse eight, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the gates, uh, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we're not bound by the Old Testament, by the Old Covenant. As, as New Testament Christians who follow Jesus Christ, he came to the, fulfill the law, not abolish it. But there are, there are certain things that just don't really apply anymore um, in the same ways that they did to the Jewish uh, nation back then. Okay, So we, all, we, we understand that, at least to a degree. So I'm not saying that you have to like immediately start wearing frontlets which were these like ancient Jewish things where like you would tie them around your head and like the scripture would literally be between your eyes I mean if you want to cool that's great um but you know it's not really a huge fashion thing these days and if you feel awkward that's cool but it does say bind them on your hand and you know what you can go to the UTC mall right uh and they actually have a station where they are selling amongst many other things and I'm not saying all of it's great they are selling scripture verses on bracelets that you can buy, okay? And if and I know all you women out there, and if you're like me and you're a dude, like there are some cool things on Etsy too, okay? So don't don't give me any any junk about that, all right? Etsy can be cool for guys too. You can go online and you can buy this stuff. And what's crazy is like scripture actually says, bind it on your hand. And so you, it's okay. In fact, it's biblical for you to wear uh, Christian jewelry. It's kind of crazy. Um, and it doesn't have to be overly, it doesn't have to be super flashy or call attention to yourself in some obscure way. But, but your kids can't really get around it when you're literally wearing scripture on your body, right? Now, if you're a guy, here's something that I've done. And I did not buy this bracelet because I was going to be speaking about this. I bought this months ago. This is an Eastern Orthodox uh, prayer, prayer bead bracelet. Um, they, they use ropes, more so in Eastern Orthodoxy. It's an it's a ancient Christian faith tradition. Uh, I got it from a monastery. I think it's in uh, Phoenix. I ordered it. And, um, and it's pretty awesome. And what you do with it is you use it for meditative prayer. I should use it more often, but I have used it. And people say that this can be legalistic, like, oh, you know, if I say X amount of prayers, that's not what this is for. It just simply gives you a beginning point and once you make your way around, an end point. Um, if, if you guys are familiar with, you know, uh, some of the traditions of Roman Catholicism, you know, they have a rosary, and I'm not getting into that either. All I'm saying is, is that this is for praying the Jesus prayer. And the Jesus prayer is this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I move to the next bead. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you can do that in a very legalistic and rote way and think it's going to do something for you, and it won't. Or you can do that in a very spirit-filled way as you meditate on Christ's forgiveness for your sins and you ask for that mercy. And that's how I hope to try to use this bracelet. And so, you know, eventually, someday, I'm sure my son will ask me what this is. And I will be able to tell him what this is. I'm wearing it on my body, literally. I, I, can't, I can't get away from it. And I don't wear it every day, but I wear it very often. The other thing is writing it in your homes or on your doorposts or on your gates. My mom, when, when we were growing up, she had, she transformed a closet in our home into a prayer closet. And, uh, and she literally wrote around the closet scripture, and it was pretty awesome. Um, we've since uh, moved from that house, and obviously I have my own family now, and we, we live in an apartment. And, uh, but we built a chalkboard, uh, me and Maddie at one point. It was a lot of fun. And it's huge. Uh, we used a four-by-eight sheet of ply. 
So it's massive, and we use the whole thing, baby. It's, it's cool. It's four by eight feet. It's a huge chalkboard. And we put it in our, uh, over in our dining room that kind of overlooks our family room, and my wife writes scripture on there. And if you're anything like us, if you hang something up in your house, especially if it's like a picture or something, be honest, it, wherever you hang it, it's going to stay there for a long time, months, probably years, before you get around to ever actually switching it. So, you know, side note, if, if, you're, if you're like me and our tendencies, like don't hang something up unless you're like really certain you want it there, because I guarantee you won't get back to it. Most people won't. Like you're just not disciplined enough, right? But that can be a good thing. Use it to your advantage, because what, what you end up doing is if, if you hang up scripture in your home, that tendency of just not really messing with things like that because you've got way too much other stuff going on, it's going to stay there. I guarantee it'll stay there for quite a long time. Hang it in your kid's room. It's your room, not theirs at the end of the day, right? Your house. Who's paying rent? Who's paying mortgage, right? So hang it in your kid's room. And if they're like, I don't really like that, you're like, too bad. You know, I like it. My house, you know? And you can hang up your posters if you want, like the ones that I say are okay, but that scripture is staying right there. And guess what? They can't get away from it. They can't get away. It's going to be everywhere. And this is me saying this. I'm not ma making up some weird, like, new age Christian, like, hey, if you write things on your house, it'll... No, I mean, it's, it's in scripture. It literally says, write it on your doorposts and gates. Bind it on your hands. And if you really want to go all out, like, Messianic Jew Jewish style, like, you know, wear a frontlet, okay? <laughs> um, but it's in scripture. And so it's really simple. Step one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If you don't do that, you can't, you can't get to steps two and three. Step two is to teach God's command to your children by talking about them and by putting it into a routine. Put it into a routine. Don't just rely on your passions. And then step three is to display God's word, like literally, physically, on your body and, and in your home. And it doesn't mean if you don't do that that you don't have a good relationship with Christ. It doesn't mean if you don't do that that, that it's a sin. Not at all. That, that isn't biblical. But it is encouraged in the old covenant. And it's encouraged for a reason. So that's it. It's pretty much that simple. That's what I got out of, out of those verses. And uh, I just, I wanted to share that with you all. So I'm going to pass it back on. Amen. Thank you so much, Andrew. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, rather to be the fulfillment of them. I said a while ago that what we're really talking about here is temple worship. And that God, through the Holy Spirit and in some of the latter writings uh, with the with St. Paul, he kind of brought it all the way, all the way to its conclusion. And when the Holy Spirit was writing his letter of love to his followers in the city of Corinth, we call it First and Second Corinthians. We see Paul writing in the Spirit, and he simply says this, Don't you know? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Lord? Which you have from God in His Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What am I saying? I'm saying we take our temple to go. <laughs> That everywhere we go, it's the four of you. You and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am right in the middle of them.
family. God is calling us to live a psalm of ascents. To call our families and to call our children to rise and to live and to work in the real battlefields of of life, in the sacred presence of the Lord. And, And I've got to tell you, if there have been times and there have been this last week that I've had my doubts and I've and just shaken my head at the news or what's coming up on my news feed and saying, lost, this generation, it's just lost, it's undone, we, we can't live, we're just going to have to get in our holy huddles and we just need to turn the world and just turn the nation, just turn everybody else, good luck with that, we're, we're just going to, you know what, after seeing these young people calling us into worship this morning, my faith has never been more encouraged. God is calling us as the family of God to ascend into His presence and to live a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Bradenton podcast. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. Contact us through our website, tcab.church and click the contact tab or email us at info at tcab.church. If you like the podcast and want more, don't forget to subscribe to get new content each week. And please feel free to share it with others.